you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Johnson. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much, Mads, for having me. So, Michelle, you write books and you're very focused on leadership like myself, but why don't you give the audience a little bit of an insight to your background and how you ended up where you are right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's so good to be with you all today. Um, Yeah, I'm Michelle Johnston, and I'm a management professor, and I've been doing that at Loyola University and the College of Business. I teach leadership and strategic communication. I've been doing that for 25 years. And in addition, I'm an executive coach. And it was really through my executive coaching that I started seeing that the old command and control style of leadership that I had been surrounded by and that had been very much the norm. And I'm not saying that I even reacted particularly negative to it. It just kind of was. And all of a sudden, I started seeing some of the leaders I was coaching and some of the leaders I wasn't coaching who were subscribing to that more authoritarian style, getting pushed out of organizations. And so I saw this seismic shift happening. And I realized after looking around that the leaders who were really succeeding were the ones who were creating cultures of connection. And so I realized I needed to write a book and get the message out there. And so I wrote um, The Seismic Shift in Leadership. Perfect. Perfect. That sounds like a good start. So what what exactly, I mean, could could you elaborate a little bit for people who don't yet sort of know what you're what you're talking about when you're talking about a very authoritarian leader would you mind elaborating a little bit on it absolutely so what i was finding is that these leaders who were only focusing on results 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 and not focusing on showing that they cared about their people and these leaders also were kind of they would unintentionally, I think it was the way that they were trained, um, they would create these cultures of fear. They would shame people if they if they got something wrong. And so what I was seeing in my work is that I'll give you one vivid example. I was working with a group and was trying to, it was during, I think a hurricane had just happened here in New Orleans. And I was working with these leaders on how to be better leaders. And I I probably, Mads, got through maybe 15 minutes of my workshop when I had to call literally a timeout and almost conduct a focus group because they were so stressed and anxious and and then they just opened up to me that this leader had created this this culture of fear and even in the middle of a hurricane he had unrelenting standards and uh, most of these people in this particular workshop were working moms and they had young children and so the city was without electricity for weeks no power no electricity no schools nothing and they were at home with their children, without electricity, without school. And the leader said, well, I went and found um, a hotel with electricity and I rented rooms so that you could still show up and work. And and that that was rough because it put them in a really uncomfortable situation and it ended up creating 
a lot of stress and anxiety. They almost had PTSD. It was just a wild situation. So as I was sitting there trying to adapt, I realized that these sorts of leaders who had had been trained under almost like the old Jack Welch approach of, again, it was just all about results and, and, and shaming if you don't get it right and, and fear and um, leading with ego. And that was just the opposite of what leaders needed. And so right now we're in a labor shortage and we're struggling. Leaders are struggling, not only finding people to work, but then retaining them and not only retaining them, but making sure that they're engaged. And so what is needed now is leaders who actually care about you as a person and try to create a positive environment where you want to show up, you want to contribute, where you seen, where you feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated. That to me is the definition of connection. So we're moving away from this authoritarian, fear-based ego style of leadership to a leadership that is about connection. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that to a large extent. I think uh, personally, I always focus on people as, as individuals, right? I, I think my, my focus when I'm leading people is understand who is the individual and reality is there's some people who love getting pushed. There's some people who love pressure. And I think it's important to give that to them, right? Now, you can do that without being a total jerk about it. But but there's definitely people who love that kind of environment, right? And and I think the what what I learned early on in my management career in the, in the corporate world was that, you know, people are motivated in different ways. They're pushed in different ways. They're wanting different things. And, and you, you have to treat people as individuals, not all the same and and you know by by nature a lot of the time we're like well leadership should be fair everyone should be the same and you're like you have a single dad with four kids and you have you know a, a young guy who's 18 and just growing up like they're looking at life in different ways they're looking for different things and and as a leader you have to understand that right like you you need to communicate you need to build relationship with your staff so that they know what they're looking for right and, and you know what they're looking for Absolutely. And let's be really honest here. Leadership right now is hard because we have so many different um, things kind of coming at us, right? Like you said, what I'm seeing, because I'm still teaching undergraduates and graduate students, the undergraduates are telling me in their life stage, they want to go into the office. They, they lived through a pandemic having to, to work out of their bedroom, you know, or, or go to school or whatever. And even the MBA students who are younger, like, no, please, we want to be with people. We don't want to be at home. And then people of my certain age, right, in their 40s and 50s and 60s are saying, yeah, been there, done that. I really am enjoying this flexibility of working from home. Yeah. And I can pick my kids up from school and I can throw some laundry in. I can put gumbo on, on the stove. I mean, this is lovely because they had already spent 20 years at the office going in every day in the commutes. So these cultures of connection, I'm even talking about how you show up at the office. So one of the leaders that I profiled in my book is the global president of Kind Bars, the granola bars Kind. And um, I interviewed him during the pandemic when he was stuck in Madrid, Spain. And even though the headquarters were in New York and he had two very young children and they were so adorable and kept popping 
popping in um, when we would do our interviews. And, he, you know, he said, look, this is my life now. Uh, even as the president, I can't pretend that I have, you know, work is work and family is family. We're all in this together. And so it was really interesting to see how he was he was showing up as his authentic self and kind of accepting the new um, surroundings. And then I just interviewed him for my podcast and he's back in New York and going into the office. And I said, so what are you doing now to create cultures of connection? He said, well, what we're hearing is that people still want flexibility. So we're saying, hey, if you want to stay home Mondays and Fridays, cool. We would love for you to come in the office Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And when you do, we have reconfigured the entire office space. He said, Michelle, I don't even have a door. It is all open spaces. We want collaboration. We want face-to-face. -face. We want to change the way that we're working so that it is about connection. I said, okay, that's awesome for the people who are coming into the office in Manhattan. I said, but you're the global president. You've got people all over the world. So what are you doing on Zoom to connect? And he lifted up his espresso cup and he said, Michelle, I'm a European at heart. He said, my people know that when we have one-on-ones on Zoom, the first 10 minutes we're having coffee together and we're just talking about families. That's the movement. That's the shift that I'm talking about. It's just not effective anymore to just show up and say, did you meet your numbers? Give me an update. Okay off the call. It's got to be much more about, like you said, individual human connection. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is probably what I've been doing the last 15 years. So it definitely nothing new, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even just see it as connection, but I, I call it building relationship, right? Like, as I always say that I always use the same example, but if your friend calls up and say, Hey, I'm moving this weekend. Are you coming over to help? And I'm like, that depends how good a friend it is, right? That the problem you have as a leader, if you're relying on role power and relying on people to do things because you're their boss, that is a lot, lot less effective and you get a lot less good results than if you actually expect, or if you if people do things because you have a great relationship with them, right? If they feel respected, if they feel cared about, it doesn't mean they get everything they want. It doesn't mean you you can't be tough on them when they're not performing but it's it, if you build that relationship right for me that is that is all management is about if you spend your entire time talking with your team getting them to perform that that's time well spent Absolutely. And there are strategies, again, when I'm talking about connection, communication and connection are very different. Communication is transactional, right? And so the old model of leadership was transactional, just getting things done. And that's much more of communication. And connection is about exactly focusing on the, rela the relationship and making sure your people are feeling seen, heard, and valued. I'll give you another really cool example. Just yesterday for my podcast, I, I interviewed uh, the publisher of our newspaper, and her name is Judy Terzadis, and she just got publisher of the year, business person of the year. She's incredible. And I said, tell me about some of the things post-pandemic that you've been doing to create cultures of connection, because my whole, I'm advocating, you know, you got to disrupt now, if not now, then when everything should be on the table, right? I said yeah. so, and 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 I say that with the goal of creating a culture of connection, right? Blow it up, how we work, how we show up, how our meetings are run, blow everything up. And she said, you know, we blew up, Michelle. I said, what? She said, performance appraisals. I said, tell me more. She said, now 
She said, we sit down, we ask our leaders to sit down quarterly, not in the office, go have coffee, go have a picnic, do something, sit down with your, your person and, and just talk about goals, how, they, how they're developing, how you as the leader can remove some of the barriers in their way, what some of their career plans are and how, how you can best support them. She said, we did away with that old, almost like antiquated performance appraisal, sit down and focus on what you didn't do well in a very formal setting. And I think that is a great example of what I'm talking about, this movement. And it also is exactly what you're talking about, this movement towards let's have a conversation. We're moving away from that real formality. I'll give you another example, one of the leaders that I coach, he's the CEO of a hospital. And he said, Michelle, I'm so tired of our weekly two-hour executive meetings that are so formal in the big conference room and people show up and all they do is just give an update and we're bored to death. He said, I'm just going to start having 15-minute huddles, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 a.m. Come on, let's have coffee together face-to-face and we're going to have a huddle. Give me an update. What can I do to support you? How can we help each other? He said, that's what, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, 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 I'm definitely still a big fan of team meetings when they're done the right way, but uh, I, I definitely have a, a way around that as well. But I, I, I think, uh, I, I think in general, when you, when you look at meetings, many people don't run them well, and that's a challenge, right? So one of the things I spend a lot of time on is, is, is meetings in general and how to, how to run them well, because realistically. I mean, one-to-ones is for me the, the number one meeting, right? There's there's no more important meetings than, than having one-to-one sessions with your direct reports. I've had times in my career where I had 25 people report to me and I still met with them every single week for 30 minutes each. And that's a huge part of the day. It's a huge part of my time and it's worth it every single time, right? But I, I think fundamentally um, in, in terms of change, like one of the things that I, I'm a big fan of is talking with people not necessarily on a you know every three months or six months or 12 months i i love setting goals for people and then talking with them when those goals are hit and what i mean with that is most organizations it's like once a year you get a two percent increase in your salary and you know life is great and that's how it works like i like doing it the other way around i like get, letting people control their salary when it's possible by setting them very specific goals. So if they know when I hit this goal, I'm going to get a salary increase. Now, that could be a month from now or 12 months from now or 18 months from now. But they know when I get to this point, then I'm worth a salary increase. And I love that so much because the whole thing is in in, any organization, reality is it's about what people contribute, right? Like just because you've been in a company for a year, if your performance is horrible, like you probably shouldn't have a pay increase, right? Now, you might be in the wrong job, you might be coach wrong or whatever, but but the whole thing is that that for me, and, and this is definitely also come from a smaller business mindset, but the whole point is that, you know, if, if you help the company make a lot more money because you perform well, then it also makes sense for the business to pay you more money, right? But reality is when you look at most teams, like you will have people with huge different performance and you will you will see them getting paid nearly the same, right? And it's like, Fundamentally, a lot of time, good performance is like, you know, I'm putting in blood, sweat and tears 
and everyone else get pretty much the same as I do. I mean, 2% or whatever is not exactly something that makes a big difference, right? So so that's that's one thing that I'm a huge fan of. And, and that way people are much more in control. And some people who don't care so much, you know, they can probably slack off a little bit more. But, but if people know exactly, you know, I'm going to get a salary increase, I know what salary increase I'll get when I get to this point, then they're in control. They own their role. They own their responsibility, right? Oh, I love that. And it is all about accountability for sure and empowerment and having them a part of the conversations that they feel that they're contributing. Again, at the end of the day, do your people feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated for their contributions? And that's what the great resignation, all the research showed us is is a lot of people left because they were tired of the commutes, right? And they were they wanted to get paid more. Now all of a sudden they could work from anywhere and get paid more. So salary was a big big deal. And what we heard was that people were tired of not being appreciated. They wanted to contribute. They wanted to add value and they, they wanted to be seen for that. And so you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm all about results. And one of the radio shows I was on, I was talking about creating cultures of connection. And there was a, a caller who called in and said, are you saying that everybody gets a trophy? And I said, no, 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 not at all. I said, it is all about accountability and results. And the, it's the way you go about it. And then I had, you'll love this. I had a, a, a funny, one of my friend's husbands read my book and we were at a party and he said, I read your book, Michelle. I said, oh, that's great. And he said, no, it's not. I said, uh-oh, why? And he said, because after I read it, one of my leaders came into my office and he owns a big company and he came into my office with this look on his face and he was holding up his phone. And I immediately thought, oh gosh, did a piece of machinery, machinery break? Uh, did we just lose our biggest client? What in the heck? And he puts his phone up and he goes, my son just took his first steps. Look at this. And he said, I was so excited for him, but I also was thinking, oh my gosh, Michelle's going to want me to actually remember his son's name and the fact that he took his first steps. And I said, you're right. That is what it's about. It is more, much more about, you're, you're going to get so much more from your people if you can remember that his son took his first steps. Well, here's what I always say. If, if one of your staff members calls in and says, hey, Bob is not good today i can't come to work if you don't know if bob is the husband the son or the dog then you have a problem and you don't know your staff well enough all right um, exactly i'll give you another example i was doing a fireside chat out in san diego with qualcomm and don mcguire is the chief marketing officer and he's just amazing and he believes well their whole motto at qualcomm is connectivity and so here my whole message is about connection so we had this fireside chat and then we opened it up for questions and answers and then there was this long line and this lady came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she said i gotta tell you she said i just quit my job and got on with Qualcomm because for the two years during the pandemic, I was home alone. And my leader never, ever once asked me, how are you doing? She said, I, I realized I, I couldn't live like that anymore. And so then she joined a, a company that was focusing on results and connection. I guess that's what we need to, and you and I are both emphasizing that it's results and through connection, or maybe we say it like this results through connection, results I, 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 through relationship. I, I look at it this way. It's result to whatever you need, right? 
Some people love sitting at home. Some people literally tell me, you know, don't bother me. Tell me what you need. I'll get it done. And, you know, call me in a month. And, and if they deliver on a consistent basis, you know, all power to them, right? I, I, I think for fundamentally it's about giving people what they need, understanding how your staff work. Now, obviously, I'm not going to not talk to someone for a month, right? But, but realistically, like you need to understand that. You need to understand how are people different because, you know, there's people, and, and this is not just how long they've been in a company or how long they've been in the role, but, but people are just so different. Some people literally need a pat on, pat on the back on a daily basis. And, and here's the thing, if it takes you five minutes to do, that's 25 minutes a week. It's well, well spent time if that gives significantly better output and results, right? Yes. And but I say, to, you know, go slow to, to go your fast. Staff. Get to yeah. know yourself and go slow to go fast. You will get the results. It's almost counterintuitive for the super action-oriented leaders that I coach. He's like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that in my team meeting, I'm supposed to begin by asking them a question. How was their vacation? I said, yes, but I've got all these agenda items I need to get to. I said, you'll, you'll increase your revenue by 30%, which is your goal. If you spend a little bit more time going slow in the, in the front end and making sure your people know you care about them, right. And not just going hard all the time. And that's my number one thing. When people say I have all these agenda items to go through they're in my experience, not doing team meetings, right. So one of the key things that I always ask for every leader is, how much time do you speak in a team meeting? And if if the answer is above 20 or 25%, they're not doing it right. So the way I look at team meetings is team meetings are for the team. It's for the team to collaborate, communicate, and work with each other. It's not about the leader talking, right? And, and most, honestly, most team meetings that I experience end up being leaders just talking 80, 90% of the time and just nothing. Couldn't agree with you more. I just had this conversation yesterday with uh, Judy Trezadas. And uh, I said, it used to be uh, 80% of the leader talking, 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 talking. And then maybe at the end they would ask, and then their team, how they, how they were feeling, nobody would talk, right? Where it's got to be, I was saying the 80-20 needs to be switched and it should be let your people talk for at least 80% of the time. And then at the end, you can give them updates, what they, you know, the, the charge, what they need to be doing, some sort of rally cry, mission, HR, whatever they need to do at the very end. Because when you're in a leadership position, your whisper is a shout. Your suggestion is perceived as an order. So hold back. You're absolutely right. Let the team meetings be about them and collaboration. And then at the very end, give your necessary input. I totally agree. But but even simple things like let your team run the team meeting. Don't like here's the thing. As a leader in an organization, I can be missing from the meeting and that's okay. Again, the team meeting is for the team. Now, if anyone in my team is missing, I expect them to send their replacement, right? Because they have people that they're growing to one day become who they are and you know they need a replacement. But me as 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 top of the organization, I can be missing from the team meeting and they will still go ahead. Now, here's the thing. If team meetings don't go ahead when you're not there, you're probably running a ship that's depending on you. And if you're running a ship that's depending on you, shame on you. I love that. I love that. So what do you recommend that people, when you say the team meetings should be run by the team? Tell me, tell me, I want to know the secret sauce. So, so, so here's the key thing for, for me, fundamentally, 
your time as a leader or as a manager is the most valuable. Therefore, everything you can do to spend less of your time and more of your subordinates' time is better in principle. So having your team prepare the team meetings, prepare the agendas, figure out what to do. Uh, I, I typically have pretty set agendas for team meetings, but getting your team to do those things makes all the sense in the world. Getting the team to run the meeting, make sure the meeting's on track, make sure to cover the points, get your team to do that. Now, you could rotate that within a team, or you can have one person who do it for a period of time and then rotate it or whatever. I, I don't care how my team decides to do it as long as they do it. But the whole thing is my time is the most valuable and therefore it makes no sense that I'm spending my time doing those things, mm -hmm. right? Second thing is when I'm in a meeting, I always speak last, mm -hmm. right? So the whole thing is that, again, exactly as you say, if I even voice an opinion in a certain direction, everyone would, with different ideas will shut up because they're like, well, the boss have spoken. I'm, you know, most people will shut up. So the whole thing is the only way you get the most out of your team is letting them talk and contribute. And here's the thing. You don't need to talk. You don't need to say, I agree with that idea. You let the team run, the, be themselves, run their team, right? And when they make a choice, like sometimes if someone makes a choice and you're like, wow, this thing is going to blow up our business in a negative way. Yes, voice your opinion. Right. But but reality is in most cases, the other ways or other ways works just as well. And and reality is that in most cases, like I remember, I've been there as a leader where I'm like, hey, you should totally do that instead of that. And you realize the results the other way around have been so much higher. Right. Uh, so so reality is in business, there's generally not right or wrong. Yes, you have a lot of experience as a manager. And sometimes you see people doing something that's, you know, totally not okay or totally outside what you want to be doing and then you can voice your opinion but the less you talk the better your team becomes because when your team can run without you there and and i ask leaders like if you take a two-month holiday what happens and and here's the thing i know what happens in my companies is they all grow right all of my businesses grow if i take a two-month holiday now would they grow faster if i'm there probably but the whole thing is they'll keep growing even when I'm not there. And I'm, I'm not saying again that I'm not adding value. That is not the point. I'm saying the fact that the, if your team is capable, and, and this is at the lowest level, right? If you're managing either the bottom level team somewhere and, and you know four people or whatever, like make one of them be you when you're not there. Teach one of them all of the things that you do. Like I have one rule. There's only two things that I absolutely have to do as a leader. I have to pick the people who work directly for me. That means if someone needs to be replaced within my team, that is my choice and my choice alone. And the second thing is doing my one-to-ones with my team. Those are the two things that I have to do as a leader. Literally everything else within an organization can be delegated. Now, if you are the CEO or even business owner or whatever the, the sort of scenario is, right? Like, yes, there's some things around vision and, and mission and so on that you definitely want to be heavy involved in. But, but reality is that everything else is delegatable, right? And this is where most people, they sit and look at that to-do list and they're like, okay, what things can I delegate? I look at it the other way around. I look at my to-do list and I say, if I'm doing any of this stuff a year from now, I am significantly holding my company back. Love it. Anyways, I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. Completely agree. Excellent, Michelle. Well, 
it's been a great conversation. Lots of lots of interesting uh, materials, and I think it's the first time I've talked with a management professor. So uh, that that sounds very interesting. Uh, I I love teaching, but I have not taught as much from a school perspective yet. So, uh, but yeah, great to hear that there's good people t- turning out great leaders early on. Oh, thank you, Mads. I've really enjoyed this. We definitely speak the same language, and we're out there spreading the same message. Thankfully that it is about relationship, it is about connection, and is about you developing your teams and, and empowering them to do great work. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Michelle. If people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Yes, you can go to my website and contact me. You can buy the book. You can look at podcasts like yours. You can look at my podcast. It's Michelle kjohnston.com m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e-k-j-o-h-n-s-t-o-n.com and the book is called the seismic shift in leadership and it's an amazon bestseller and i am just so feeling so grateful uh, so thank you for allowing me the time to spread the message fantastic michelle thank you very much for joining me today thank you take care and to the audience thank you very much for hanging on all the way to the end we'll be back again next week Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.